You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. You are listening to The Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM. WCET 101.7 FM in Columbia, South Carolina. Also on www.LateNightInTheMidlands.com. With your hosts, Tim Roxbury and Chip Reichenthal. Chippy! Yeah, Timmy, how are you all doing today? Uh, and a hello to everyone. Another fantastic day here on Supernatural Rum with another magical guest, of course, you know, because that is the power of the great Tim Roxbury just to find the most awesome people for us. Uh, today, we're going back to our paranormal roots. It's a beautiful thing. And boy, do we have a, a wonderful, wonderful guest uh, today. Uh, we are very proud to present Mike Sears, uh, he's a, a speaker, a paranormal researcher, and, let alone, director and founder of the Volunteer State Paranormal Research Society. Now, Volunteer State, I assume that's Tennessee. I hope I'm right about that. I'm just volunteering that as we speak. Uh, we, we should also note, uh, thankfully, uh, that Mike Sears, a former police officer in the United States Air Force Security Police and a veteran of Desert Shield and Desert Storm. So we're very thankful for Mike in his service to us. Uh, Mike is currently writing a book about his father's near-death experience and the haunting that took place soon after. But uh, if, I, if I believe correctly, Mike Sears, our honored guest today, is no stranger to haunting. So we'll talk to him all about that today. Another fantastic guest for another fantastic day which I hope most of you are having, you know. Timmy and I, our day sucks right now. <laughs> yeah, but it just got a hell of a lot greater, you know, because we, we've got this guest to take ourselves away from this this day. This was supposed to be, you know, we've got this new moon coming and bring positive change to everybody. It just hasn't hit quite yet, you know. I'm waiting. How yeah. about you, Tim? I'm waiting. <laughs> it just so happens I'm drinking Mike's. Hard lemonade right now. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but I got to no. I got to sit it down for the next two hours. So I don't. Yeah, I don't when it, so. when the, when the monster drink turns into a Mike's hard lemonade, you know something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I was I thought maybe we because you were just extra festive because we have Mike Sears today with us, you know. Uh, <laughs> but maybe maybe that's just it's it's deeper than that, eh? <laughs> Oh, it's, it's it's the fact that Michael is here is why I'm sending it down for the next two hours. I can oh, finish okay. drinking it later. See, we're still festive. I got my Red Bull party going on, of course, you know. Plus, so I didn't I'm, have a monster here, so I figured I'd grab a couple mics on my way over. So, it works. Yeah. It's all yeah. good. And, and now we have a, how about this for a segue? Now we have a chance to go from monsters to hauntings. Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got paid. Welcome <laughs> so, to the show, Mike. 
Yeah. Great to have you. No, thank you for having me on the show. So, yeah, have you had uh, paranormal experiences all your life, or did it start after you got involved with a team? Um, it started out at a young, young uh, age five was my first time uh, that I witnessed a ghost. Um, I lived in uh, upstate New York at the time. I was uh, five years old. We lived on uh, Canisius Lake, and uh, I witnessed a, a ghost of a little girl. She was dressed in a white Victorian dress. She was in my bedroom. Oh. And I ran down to my parents to let them know that I seen this little girl in my room. And uh, back then, my parents were very skeptical and, and just thought it was, a, you know, an act of imagination and, you know, mm-hmm. try to push it away kind of deal. And uh, later on in life, I had some uh, smaller experiences. Uh, and uh, later on, I did have a, an encounter when I was in the Air Force. I, I was uh, working the main gate of the base and uh, witnessed uh, at late night. I thought someone was playing a joke when I was working at the desk. I looked up at the window and there was a guy in uh, a khaki uniform. And uh, I said hello to him, no response. And I turned around slowly reaching for my pistol at the time. And uh, when I turned around, he he was gone and couldn't find him anywhere. And uh, later on research found out that there used to be a gate not far from the gate I was working that was taken out by uh, a plane during the 1960 time period where a pilot had ejected and the plane had spun out and took out the gate and killed the air force cop that was working it. And uh, over the years I had shared this story on several uh, uh, websites and several other air force police officers that were stationed at the base. I was at had witnessed him also there. So that was nice confirmation to back up from my experience. Still remind me never to sneak up on you in a khaki uniform. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Kind of reminds me, uh, Tim, that paranormal 911 show, you know, the first responders seeing, you know, like uh, 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 ghosts or apparitions or other kind of haunting like things. And, you know, because, uh, you know, you're in the mindset of law enforcement, you're not expecting to see something like that. Yeah. And it really kind of throws them off their game, you know, so it reminded me of that that show because we've been watching. It. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. It's on that travel channel. It's pretty cool. Yeah, what yeah place- it's a good theory. I've seen a couple episodes so far. Yeah, what mm-hmm. place was it, Mike? Was it? Uh, Shaw Air Force Base out of South Carolina. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, South Carolina. I like that. Yeah. Not far from Columbia. Wow. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> See, good segue on you right there. <laughs> I had a I had a friend back in the mid you know mid nineties that went to the Air Force. He was a security police at um, Shepherd down in Texas. Yeah, I've I've been in Texas for uh, Lackland Air Force Base where I got my training. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's a hot state, very yeah. hot down there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife but, uh, let me go. Um, but I became a hardcore believer of the paranormal in 1994 um, due to my dad's death and then following his death, a uh, haunting that I went through. Wow. That's, think, uh, go ahead, Tim. Was, do you think it was related to, to your dad's death, uh, that haunting? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, I believe so. Um, I'll go into his death first and then the, and go into that. Um, in 1994, my dad was, uh, diagnosed with cancer and he, uh, 
in June of 94, it, it advanced real, real bad. And, uh, his health was taking a decline and we had called in for a uh, hospice to be at home for home care. And, um, the last, um, few weeks of his life, he was real weak, you know, where we had to help hand feed him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, several days, um, when he was getting real weak and tired, uh, we had this one night that happened that, uh, he was, uh, real tired and weak and all that. So he went to bed that night and I was woken up at three o'clock in the morning and my mom was screaming for help and shocked to find that my dad was out of bed and he was totally terrified. I'd never seen my dad scared. My dad was uh, 22 years in the U S army. Um, he was, he was in the military police for 13 years and then he worked in um, different various jobs and went into special ops in Vietnam later on. So he was a pretty tough guy and I've never seen my dad scared mm-hmm. and he, he was freaking out and my mom's like, I can't calm him down. And he was pointing at the mirror of, uh, and this dresser that was in the bedroom. My mom had this huge dresser unit that was, almost took up the whole wall. And he was saying, well, they're coming for me. And I said, who's coming for you, dad? And he says, don't you see him? He says, there's like these uh, demons there and they're pointing at me with these tridents and um, they want to nail me to this, you know, cross. And I was like, okay. And we thought, you know, due to his pain, he had uh, um, lung cancer, um, thyroid cancer and spinal cancer. So he was like full blown cancer. So he was on morphine at the time for pain. So that's, you know, what I'm chalking it up as. Mm-hmm. And I told my mom, I said, go wake up the neighbor. We had a, a, a Baptist minister that lived next door. And I said, maybe he can help us calm him down. And he's, and then he, he starts telling me that he goes, look, we got to call the police. We got to call DC. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, the United States is in trouble. We're going to get attacked. And I'm like, what? So I'm trying to calm him down. He, he gets upset that I'm not seeing what he's seeing and I'm not listening to him. So he tries to leave the house. So I'm trying to block him. So he doesn't go outside. He finally gets out to our living room and, um, tries to get out to the patio to, to escape. So I'm, I wanted to be careful. So I'm trying to restrain him. And when I tried to restrain him, he broke free and literally lifted me up in the air. I was about 150 pounds at the time. Wow. And yeah. And threw me across the living room, which was probably about, 15 feet across the room where I hit a Georgia Corks fireplace with my back. Which, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he made it out to the port. Or we had like an enclosed uh, summer room porch. He made it out there, but the door luckily was jammed. So he couldn't get outside. And um, the shocking thing was, you know, that night when I say good night to him, I actually had to hold the glass of water for him. And so he could drink the, the water from a straw so he was very weak when he went to bed and uh, the minister brings him back in, you know, gets there and my mom and we help him get back to the bed and he's trying to calm him down. And um, I explained to my mom that, you know, he had thrown me across the, the living room and she's like in total shock. She's like, how is that possible? So I don't know, you know, adrenaline or, you know, whatever, but he was demanding that uh, there was some evil dark force coming from Africa that was going to blow up the Pentagon and destroy a major city on the East coast. Mm. And Mm. yeah. (laughs) And this is 1994. 
So when 9-11 happened in 2001, I yeah, thought, years later. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm like... I'm like, was that a premonition that he had back in 94, you know, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So um, the minister, he comes out after he's finally calmed him down and he says he wants to talk to you, Mike. And I said, all right. So I'm cautious. I'm standing outside his bedroom door and uh, wouldn't step in. And I said, you're okay. And he's like, yeah, everything's better now. And I said, well, what makes it better? And he goes, "Uh, um, the angels came. And, you know, everything's safe. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, there's one standing behind you. And so I, you know, look behind me and I don't see anything there. And, and I, and my mom had at the entrance of the bedroom, this like Victorian cherub angel, that's about maybe six or eight inches in size, um, attached to the wall there by the door entrance. And I said, do you mean this? And he goes, typical response from my dad. He goes, no, you dumbass. The tall <laughs> blonde hair guy with blue eyes standing behind you. Wow. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So we're, you know, I'm still in shock by this. And then um, he finally calms down and we let him go to sleep. The next morning he wakes up. My mom comes and gets me and she's like, hey, uh, he wants to talk to you. And I go in there and she go, he goes, I'm in total shock what happened last night. And he goes, the only thing I know about is what your mom told me. Oh. And he goes, uh, she said, I picked you up and threw you across the living room. And I said, yeah. And he, he couldn't believe it himself. Wow. And yeah. And I, you know, I lifted up my shirt and I said, you know, here's the scrapes, you know, and cuts on my back. And he, he just broke down in tears. He was just in shock, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, I would never meant to hurt. He goes, I, and I explained the things that he shared with us and he didn't remember any of it. And so we were just talking at the time saying, well, maybe it was the sickness, maybe it was the drugs. But then when 11 came, it was like a light bulb went up. I was like, holy crap. But he mentioned the Pentagon and a major city on the East coast. He even said it was either going to be New York city or uh, Atlanta, Georgia or Miami. Those are the three places that he mentioned. Wow. So, yeah, so a few weeks go by and his health goes real bad. He goes into a coma Mm -hmm. and um, we had hospice there one night and they go, we feel he's going to pass away tonight, but we're scheduled to be off, you know, tomorrow. They came every other day Mm -hmm. and, and um, my mom goes, well, we should be able to handle it. If we need you, we'll call you. And her and I took shifts watching him and she says well I'll take the night shift and um, I'll let you know if anything happens and so he was in a coma for several days and as when when they left his body temperature was at 107 wow wow yeah that's why they thought he was going to die mm. and so later that night my mom's at his side it's a little after three in the morning she uh witnesses him take his last breath and she, she took his pulse and everything in check and he had passed away. And so she grieved there for about a half an hour. And uh, she finally said, well, I better go wake up Mike and let him know that he passed away. And she got halfway out of the room and all of a sudden she heard my dad's voice. Hey, where are you going? I need to talk to you. Hmm. And in shock, because this is a guy that almost, he hadn't talked in over a week. He was in a coma wow. and set up, sat up from the bed and looked healthy as can be and said, look, I begged them to allow me to come back. 
I needed to make sure you and Mike were going to be okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so she came back and sat aside. She said she couldn't see anything, but she said she felt the whole atmosphere in the room had changed. Mm. And he started talking to past family members like they were standing right there in the room. Wow. And, and um, one of the people that he talked to was his first wife who passed away in 63 from cancer. She was a uh, Japanese. He had met her when he was stationed in Tokyo as military policeman. And hmm. he had you know, married her and she had passed away in 1963 from cancer. And uh, so he spoke fluent Japanese and interpreted back and forth to his first wife, to my mom. Really? And yeah. And wow. telling my mom that his first wife appreciated um, taking care of my dad on this side and that everything's going to be okay, that she'll be taking care of him on the other side. Wow. And yeah. And then he talked about past people he knew in the military and that she had known and um, family members. And they talked to almost about a little after seven in the morning. And she's like, wow. Uh, I need to go wake up Mike, you know, and have him come in here and see you. So he goes and he's, he's in his hospital bed there in the house. And he goes, well, before you do that, he goes, I really want to freshen up. I need to take a shower. And she's like, well, I don't know if we can do that. I mean, this is a guy that's been in Mopac for almost a month in bed. And, and then he was in a coma for almost a week. So he literally gets out of the bed on his own and walks over to his own master, you know, bedroom and bathroom and took a shower on his own, came out, got dressed in, in some clothes and got in his own bed. So the hospital bed and my mom come and woke me up and she's like, Hey, your dad wants to talk to you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and she's like, yeah, last night was very interesting. I said, did he pass away? And she's like, well, that's kind of, hard to explain. She goes, the only way I best for you to understand it is for you to see it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I headed to the room where the hospital bed was and she's like, he's not there. And I, I was like, how is he not there? And um, she's like, he, he's in his own bed. And I hear him call for me, which, you know, shocked me. Mm-hmm. And um, I go into the bedroom and uh, sit down next to him. And he's like, look, I just <laughs> want to make sure you're all right. I don't want you to worry about me. He goes, I begged them. I don't know who them is, but he goes, I begged them to uh, allow me to come back and tell your mom and you that everything's going to be okay. And so we talked for a while and he didn't ask me, you know, do you have any questions? And I'm like, well, I was in total shock. And I said, well, I don't know what to ask. I said, it's too late to ask you how to use some of your tools. My dad was very picky who handled this tool right. and if I touched a hammer or something like that, he always got upset mm-hmm. and he so he apologized you know for that for being so strict and wished that he had you know showed me how to do a lot of that stuff and um so I said this comment which really blew me out of water I go well you've had a pretty rough dad and my dad was not a churchgoer and if you heard the word Jesus from him, it was because he was cussing. <laughs> and it, so I, when I said he had it rough, that he goes, I haven't had it rough. And I said, well, who's had it rougher than you? I mean, you've been battling cancer for a while, you know, and you've had a rough life. And, and he's like, he goes, no, Jesus had it rough. And I, I, 
I about <laughs> fell off his bed. I was in shock. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, I didn't know what to say after that. I didn't ask any further questions. And then he goes, well, I guess we're done. He goes, I'm ready to go back. And he goes to my, you know, calls for my mom and she comes in the room and she's like, what's up? And he's like, I guess I'm ready to go back if you guys are done talking to me. And we're like, well, we don't know what to say or do. And he goes, well, I guess I'm ready to go back. And my mom goes, well, I'm not sure how that works. Maybe you have to go to sleep. So he decides to go to sleep. He says his goodbyes and um, tells us he loves us and nothing to worry about. And we're in shock. We go out to our living room on the couch and she's telling me all that had happened that night and a couple hours go by and we hear him calling out going hello hello and we go run to him and we're like is everything okay and he's like well what are you guys doing here and he's like all shocked and i said well you know we live here and he's like you mean they didn't come and get me and we're like i guess not and he's like well what am i supposed what am i supposed to do and I go, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I'm starved. And for several months, he was on a liquid diet. And especially when he was, you know, real weak, um, he, he either had soup or, you know, milkshake type things or smoothies. And so I offered him that. And he goes, no, I want, I want real food. He's like, grab my wallet off my dresser. He goes, you know, take whatever money is out of there and run to the store and go get me some food. And I'm going to my mom, what do I buy? And she's like, whatever you think that he would really like, like a last meal type of deal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I run to the grocery store and um, I lived in Florida where this took place and they had Publix and the seafood department had fresh crawfish they were advertising there when I walked in. And I said, oh man, he loves crawfish. So I ended up getting crawfish um red potatoes corn on the cob i grabbed a six pack of beer just in case (laughs) and 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 i even grabbed a rental movie in case he wanted to watch a movie i you know didn't know what you know to do so i get back home and he's walking around the house like nothing's wrong i mean his color is back in his face and everything and uh yeah and he actually helps me cook the meal we 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 sit at the table and had a nice family meal and uh, went out to his recliner in the living room and we watched the movie and we talked. And then he goes, you know, what? I guess I just want to go back to my own bed. And he goes, why don't you go dig out the family album books? And uh, if you got any videos from vacations and that, he goes, let's just sit there and go through those. So we went through family albums and shared family stories and laughed and cried till about midnight. And um, he goes, uh, I'm really tired. I need to go back to sleep. And, um, so he goes, in case they don't wake up in the morning, he goes, just let you know, I love you guys. And I will do my best to make contact and give you signs just to let you know that I'm okay. But if I can't, please be rest assured that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we went to sleep, you know, not knowing what to expect in the morning. And by eight o'clock in the morning, our doorbell rings. And my mom comes running into my bedroom to wake me up and she goes, uh, Hey, uh, hospice is here. And I said, okay, let him in. And she goes, no, you don't understand. She goes, your dad's back into a coma. He's back the way he was. And he's in his own, he's in his own bed. She goes, what are we going to tell him? And I go, well, we'll tell him what, you know, happened. Mm -hmm. Just let him in. So 
she lets them in and they immediately go to the room where the, the hospital bed was and they're shocked to not find him there. And they're like, where is he? And they go, well, he's in his own bed. And we're trying to explain to him what had happened. They wouldn't listen. Oh. And they started accusing us of dragging him out of the medical bed and putting oh. him in his own bed. Yeah. They were like, awesome. yeah. so they're like, we know you probably want him to die in his own bed, but that's not right for you guys to move him yesterday. And we're like, that's not what happened. And my mom finally just goes, we know what happened. Just, you know, let it go. Right. And so, um, he ended up passing away, um, three days later on June 23rd. Wow. And, and it was a day after his uh, birthday there. Um, the day he died, um, when they came to pick him up, my mom, um, looked outside as they're, uh, loading his body there. And, and, um, there was a double rainbow from the front of the house. So, um, I said, that's, you know, that, that could be a sign. And, uh, after the next day for about, I think it was like three or four days, um, the window next to where his medical bed was, a cardinal showed up on the hour when he died the second time. It always showed up at that time for like several days. And I finally go to my mom as it's banging on the window. I said, you know, this bird has showed up every day on the hour that dad passed away. <laughs> the second time I said, do you think that is a sign from dad? He, his favorite bird was the cardinal. Wow. And as soon as I said that the bird start, stopped pecking on the window and flew away. And that was the end of it. Um, another thing that happened later on, um, one of the things I asked him when, he, when we had that day together, I said, well, what are you going to miss? And he goes, well, he goes, one of the things I miss is, uh, I planted uh, an avocado tree, an orange tree, and a pineapple, and I never got a damn fruit off them. He <laughs> says I was really looking forward to eat them. Uh-huh. And that year, after his death that fall, the avocado tree, the orange tree, and the pineapple produced only two fruit each on each of the plants, uh-huh. one each for my mom and I. So we, we chalked that up because the years after that, it was multiple fruits. But that first year, it was just two. Uh-huh. Um, wow. But then things got even more uh, paranormal-wise. Um, the day of his funeral, we came back from his funeral, and uh, my mom and I, I made her a nice dinner to relax, and I said, do you want to sit in front of the TV and watch the news while you eat dinner, or do you want me to turn on the jukebox? I have a big AMI Road jukebox that holds 145 records in it. Oh, nice. And, and I said, do you want that? And she says, no, I, I'd rather watch the news. And I said, okay. So I dish her plate and take it out to her. And I go back out to the kitchen and I'm dishing my plate. And as I'm dishing my plate, I hear the jukebox select a record. And I thought it was her, you know, messing with the jukebox because I couldn't see from where I was at. And all of a sudden started playing music and it was cranked up to the max. And she starts yelling. She's like, hey, I thought we weren't doing music. And I yelled back out of the other room. I said, I thought you turned it on. And she's like, no. And so I go out to the jukebox and I go to hit the off switch on the back of it. And I look down and I go, no way. And she's like, what? And I I reach the back of the jukebox and I pull up the the electrical plug and I'm holding it in my hand. I said, it's not plugged in. And she's like, she's like, what? And, and it's playing music full blast and the lights are all lit up on it. 
And she's like, no way. And I said, well, listen to the song it picked. And this, this is a record in there. I was a Garth Brooks fan and it had Garth Brooks song in there. If tomorrow never comes. Uh And yeah. (laughs) And if you know, that song is about someone wondering, you know, if Uh people are going to remember, love them, you know, after they pass. And she's like, Oh my God, I think it's a sign from dad. And as soon as she said that the lights dimmed in the jukebox and the records came to a slow stop and died out. Yeah. See, if it, if it were me, it would have been the rodeo song, probably. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you knew. well, it's forty below, and I, yeah, I'm not don't give up. <laughs> not on, not got on a radio, heater in my was, truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually had that record in that jukebox. I actually well, that was a jukebox. Yeah, it was a jukebox <laughs> only record. I, that, you know, there, there yeah. goes there goes my first question to you. You know, I just wondered if you had the rodeo song in that jukebox because that was a jukebox. Yeah, I actually did. Wow! <laughs> back, back there in the '90s, that was a pretty popular song. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember it well. <laughs> it was kind of there. Uh, so, uh, wow! Later that, that um, Christmas, he had made contact again. Um, I had gone out. My dad's biggest holiday was Christmas, and he had uh, made a big fancy Christmas dinner every year. And um, he always picked different countries that he was stationed at in the military. Every time he was stationed in a foreign country, he would learn their national dishes. Wow. And uh, he was—he wasn't labeled a gourmet chef, but he could have been. And uh, so he, that Christmas, I was out there buying. I decided to buy my mom. She started collecting angels, and I bought her this four-foot-tall angel. And I was putting it in my car, and I smelled cigar smoke. My dad used to smoke cigars. Mm-hmm. But at first thought it was someone being rude, blowing their smoke near me. And I looked around and there's nobody <laughs> standing there. And uh, so I looked around, didn't see anybody. As I'm putting the angel in the car, I hear my dad's voice in my head goes, hey, you need to go to the store. And I'm like thinking, I'm, you know, I've gone nuts. And uh, <laughs> I get in, the, get in the car, I start smelling the cigar smoke in my car. Wow. And I don't let anybody smoke in my car. And, um, and and then I start hearing his voice again. He's like, look, Mike, you need to go to the store now. I have, I have an item there for you and your mother. So I start talking out loud, you know, like he's there. And I'm like, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm planning to go to that store. It's on my list, but it's on the other side of town. And he's like, no, you need to go there now. So I ended up driving there. And when I got there, I started walking towards the door and I could smell the cigar smoke again. And I walk in the door and I see something on a front display case when I got in the door. And um, I hear his voice going, no, that's not it. Go to the last aisle on the left. Go all the way down the end of the aisle. Last display case on the left. You'll see it. You'll know what it is. Now, this store was a specialty store that sold imports from Japan, a lot of food items. And my dad had lived in Japan for three and a half years. And uh, so he wanted this dish. And the store had been trying to get him for years for him. And, uh, so I went there and I see the item and I'm like, Oh my God. So I start, I grabbed all of it off the shelf and I go up there to ring it up and the cashier's like, Oh my God, you can't buy all this. And I said, why? And she's like, we have a loyal customer has been coming here for years and he's been asking for this. And she goes, um, you, you need to, uh, save some at least, you know, could you leave a couple here? And I said, well, can you describe the customer? And she starts describing my dad. Oh, wow. So I, op- yeah. So I opened the wallet and I said, here's a picture of my dad. Is that the guy? And she goes, yeah, that's him. And I said, well, I'm his son. You know, he passed away earlier this year. 
And I said, I think he would probably want, and she's like, Oh yeah, it's meant to be, you know, you have it. And I, I couldn't tell her how I got there and how I found it, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to think I was crazy. So I purchased it as I'm heading out the door here. My dad's voice goes, um, Merry Christmas to you and your mom. Enjoy your gift. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> it was a rough ride home. I cried practically all the way home and I, I was done with my shopping. I went straight home and, uh, got to the house and had my mom sit down. I said, we're going to celebrate Christmas a little early. <laughs> and I, I showed her the angel that I got. And I said, um, I was buying this and this is what happened after I bought it. And, uh, and then I said, this is from dad and told her how, you know, he told me to go get it. And of course she started crying. She was all, all blown away by it. So that was his contacts that he made. And then, um, August of 94, several months after his death, is when the extreme haunting started, oh. which went to the, the negative side. And um, about mid-August, I woke up in the middle of the night, it was about three or four in the morning. I thought someone had broken in the house. Ooh. And uh, I could just feel like someone was standing in the room. And uh, so I slowly reached for my pistol by my headboard. And before I could get to the gun... I felt two hands grab me by the ankles and start pulling me off the bed. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I broke free, climbed back up the bed to get to my pistol. And before I could get to it, it felt like someone jumped on top of me and pushed my face into the pillow. And I started screaming into the pillow to try to alert my mom to let her know that someone's broken into the house. She lived, her room was on the opposite side of the house as a split plan house. And, uh, I finally broke free, hit the light by my bed, grabbed my pistol, and nobody's in my room. And my bedroom door's closed, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And uh, immediately jumped, you know, got out of the room, went down to wake her up to tell her what had happened. And um, I was, uh, I think it was 26 at the time. This is years after the Gulf War. Um, and I went to wake her up, and she's like, what happened? And I said, I just, I was attacked, you know, I don't know by some unknown force. And she's like, well, you sure it's not PTSD from the Gulf war. And I said, no, this is nothing like that. And so she's like, well, let me, you know, wake up. Let me go wash my face. So she comes out of the bathroom and I heard something coming down the hallway. And at the time I had a, a, a Japanese dog in Akita, which looks like a big Husky type dog. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought she was coming down the hallway towards me, but this force of energy came right at me and hit me square in the chest and lifted me off her bedroom floor. And I flew back about 10 feet back and slammed into her bedroom wall. And, and she goes, what the hell just happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm being attacked again. And she goes, you sure you didn't slip? And I said, how do I slip from way over there and get over here and and hit the wall that hard? You know, it was like a football player that tackled me. And uh, so it, it went away for a few moments and then all of a sudden I go, I'm being attacked again, where it grabbed me like in a bear, bear hug. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. It was hard for me to talk. And this went on for almost, I would say close to a half hour. It would just keep on attacking me on and off and on and off. And my mom, the amazing part was she, she's a retired school teacher now, but at the time she was teaching 
And she was calm all through it. And she was like, well, let me take notes. And she's like, well, maybe it's your blood pressure. And she's grabbing the medical gear that was used for my dad. And she's taking my blood pressure. And when I was being attacked, my blood pressure was like super, super high. And then as soon as I said it's released and she could see that it released me because all the hair in my body would go flat again. The goosebumps would go away. And and my blood pressure would be normal. She's like, there's just no way that should be going up and down like that. That's just crazy. And, um, so she pulled out a, a, a mini tape recorder. She used to keep in her purse for taking notes for work. And she started recording. And the next day after it happened, we were telling one of our friends, he, she was a, a nurse that helped take care of my dad. She became a good family friend. Okay. And we were telling her on the phone what had happened. She's like, I'm coming over. And so she came over and we played some of the recording for her. And she's like, wow, I could tell in your voices, you know, Mike's panicked and everything. And um, we heard a voice on the tape that like screamed off off during the moment, which was kind of creepy sounding. Um, so that that was the first attack. And then the, later that night, she calls my grandmother to tell her what had happened. And I said, well, while you're telling her, I'm going to go in my room and, and as I'm entered my bedroom, I thought my dog had followed me and you just feel this presence standing like behind me and I turn around and nothing's there. And all of a sudden I was grabbed in a bear hug again and I was attacked in the middle of the day. And I literally had to almost like a Frankenstein walk out of my bedroom to get back to her. And I couldn't talk. I was just totally paralyzed. I'm like moaning and, and she, you know, started freaking out. She's like, Oh my God, Mike's being packed again. And so for all, every day I was being attacked. I ended up having things thrown at me. I was, I'd be in bed. I could feel hands grab me by the shoulders and slam me into the headboard, um, pushed into walls. Um, we would start having light bulbs strobing in our track lighting in the living room. And sometimes light bulbs would explode. You're listening. Um, Go ahead. And so, you know, this went on for quite a while and it, it, it we didn't know what to think of it. Uh, we first immediately went to our neighbor who is a, a Baptist minister. And um, he came over with some friends to do like a cleansing of the house. And all that did was just make it more worse. I mean, we started having doors slamming and my mom's seeing shadow figures in the house. And uh, we decided, well, let's go to a, uh, you know, Catholics, you know, the Catholics, they have the exorcisms, you know, and, uh, so we called the Catholic church and asked if we could have an appointment and went and talked to them. And the priest is like, well, since you're not Catholic, I talked to the diocese in Orlando. They they won't let us do an exorcism on your house unless you convert to be Catholic. And I said, that's just crazy. And, and then the priest felt bad. And he actually took his personal rosary off him and handed it to me and says, you can, you know, hopefully this protects you. And, you know, you can have my personal rosary. And I said, well, I'll return it if you want. He's like, no, it's yours to keep, you know, and I still have that today. Um, and, uh, but it just got worse and worse. And so one of the times we had a break after my dad's death, it was like our first weekend we had free time. Um, my mom and I were out for a drive and I saw the sign said psychic fair <laughs> and I never been to a psychic and she goes, Hey, I've never, she goes, I would love to have a reading. And she goes, can you turn around and go back? And I said, sure. So I took her there and we get there and the, and the people that are running it, they go, well, we have all these booths. What you do is you pay a flat rate and you get like a 15, 20 minute reading. Right. And these are all the different psychics that we have here, psychic mediums and pick whoever you want. And if they're 
you know, if they're available, you can, or you can wait kind of deal. And so my mom goes, Oh, I like this lady that deals with angels. And she goes, I like to go talk to her. So then they asked me, they go, you want a reading? And I said, no, nah, I don't really believe in that. And, and she goes, uh, Oh, you should get one. So being a smart ass, I said, you got any used by police officers for missing people? And she goes, we do. Matter of fact, we have a lady here that, you know, helps the sheriff's office and state police. And I said, well, I'll take her. <laughs> and, so, and I went and met her and sat down. And when I shook her hand, she, she jumped back, let go of me and screamed. She's like, wow. She goes, uh, you have a lot of energy. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I bet you've seen ghosts since you were little. And I said, well, I've seen quite a few. And then she had said some things about other things that I experienced, you know, dreams coming true and stuff like that. And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, you're gifted. And I was like, yeah. And I'm still skeptical of that today. I have a lot of medium friends that keep on saying, Mike, you're a medium in denial. But, um, so she started reading and made me a believer. I told her, I said, I'm not saying nothing during this reading. And uh, I'll tell you if you're right or wrong at the end of it. And she nailed a lot of stuff that was exactly right. You know, times and dates and stuff. She was really amazing. So when we had the haunting, I called her up and I said, I don't know if you do this, but this is what's happening to my mom and I. And she's like, oh, wow. She goes, well, I can come in and tell you who it is, but I can't remove it. And I said, that's fine. It'd be nice to know why this is happening. Mm. And um, she came in and she immediately goes, wow, you have three, three nasty. And she goes, it's linked to your dad. And, and I said, you know, how so? And she goes, your dad did some stuff. She goes, I'm guessing military. And I said, yeah. And I, and then we told her, I go, well, he was in Vietnam. And she goes, well, your dad was not a typical soldier in Vietnam. And years later, we, um, after his death, we learned a lot of things about his career in the military. Um, he was with the Phoenix program in Vietnam. I don't know if you know anything about the Phoenix program, but he was part of that. And she goes, there was a mission that was, that was not for God, country, and apple pie. It was for personal gain. And your dad wasn't going to partake in it. And these three guys decided to do it and they were killed and they were pissed off that they felt if he was there to help them, they might be still alive. And they've been haunting him ever since. And I go, well, my mom and I always chalk that up as PTSD from work. Cause he had that pretty bad. He used to have some pretty bad nightmares. And she goes, well, they're upset that he's crossed over. So they're taking it out on you now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when she came over to do the reading, she uh, came in and had this big uh, white candle. There's probably six, six inches in circumference. And she lit that in the living room on this silk scarf. And she's like, this is to put white light energy. And I'm, you know, still kind of skeptical. I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's talking about the three spirits that are there. And she's, and she goes, Mike, if you can, go get some more white candles and light them around. She goes, they can help you tell if there's spirit energy in the room by the, the flame. And I was like, oh, I said, I got a bunch of tea candles. Will they work? And she's like, yeah, light a bunch of those. So I lit a whole bunch on, uh, there was like six or eight of them. I put on the fireplace mantle that we had. And um, so I lit those 
she goes around the house and when she came to my bedroom, she says, wow, this is ground zero. And we had one of our, the, the nurse friend, she had came over as a witness and, um, she, they called me in the room and she goes, Mike, go get some white paper and uh, cut some crosses for me so you can tape them on the walls and around your bed. I'm like, okay. So she asked my mom, she goes, do you have a family Bible? And my mom's like, yeah, we have this big Bible and it weighs about six or eight pounds. It's a big book. And she goes, uh, can you lay that on Mike's bed, open it up? and lay it on his bed. So my mom does that. And I hear them all freaking out in my room going, Mike, Mike, get here. And when I got there, it it had ended. And they were telling me that the the book started flipping pages on its own. And, and, And then the book lifted off the bed and slammed shut. And, and then fell back down to the bed. And so when I got in there, the book, the book's closed laying on my bed. And I go, really? And they're like, yeah. And I go, but, and then you can see your breath in the room and this is Florida. And this is like probably September, October. So it's still pretty warm. Mm-hmm. And um, even with an AC, you shouldn't be seeing your breath in the room. And uh, she goes, can you go reopen the book? So I go over there and reopen the book and after I opened it, the pages started flipping again, like a fan was blowing on it. Wow. And we, yeah. So we all step out of the room and step at, we're at the door entrance looking in and I'm like, Holy crap, what do we do? And she's like, I've never encountered anything like this. And then the book again lifts off the bed, slams shut. And then my bedroom door just slams right into our face. Mm. And the, 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 the psychic goes, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You need clergy or something else. I can't help you. Uh, like, but we tried that already. Nice. Right. <laughs> right. And she goes, I got to go. I wish you luck. And so she goes out to the living room and finds the candle totally melted on top of our table. Wow. And, and then she looks up and gasps. And I go, oh, my God. And all the tea candles on the fireplace no lie, the flames were about 10 to 12 inches in height. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, why? And she's like, I'm, she took the whole hot wax scarf and threw it in her bag. And she's like, good luck, you know, and ran wow. out the door. Yeah. I like, gee, and thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as time went on, you know, continued being attacked. Um, I used to come home from work and get slammed into walls. There was one night. Um, at the time I was working for the, uh, a department of defense company in, in Florida for the space program. And I had a part-time job working at Macy's selling men's clothes. And a mom called, I think it was like a Friday or Saturday night. And she called me at work, which is, you know, unless it's an emergency, you know, type deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, is everything okay? And she goes, what are you doing after work? I said, well, we were planning to go to TGF Fridays for some drinks. And she's like, well, can you come straight home? And I said, what's going on? She goes, well, first, sitting here in the living room, I just saw a shadow figure literally come out of the wall, go across the room and go into the wall. Your Akita started growling at it. And she goes, I witnessed your Akita lift off the floor and was thrown into the wall. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm coming straight home. And uh, so that night I, I, I was attacked in my bedroom. I ended up going out in the living room trying to sleep on the couch see if that would make anything's better. But 
uh, woken up in the middle of the night with the TV turning on and off, like super, super fast and going through channels. I couldn't even replicate it the next day trying to show my mom, you know, what had happened. Mm. Um, but we had this stuff just continue happening until finally one day she was talking to one of her students who is a Cherokee Indian. Mm-hmm. And she learned that his father was a medicine man. Uh, so she asked me, she goes, you think I should call this kid's father? Maybe he could help us, you know? Uh, and I said, Hey, it doesn't hurt. You know, what can yeah. you say? No. And so she, she called him and she, you know, first, you know, the guy's like, so what did my son do in your class kind of deal? And she's like, well, I'm not calling about that. It's kind of, she goes, I kind of feel embarrassed and I'm not sure what to say here. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, you believe me. So she explains to him what is happening and he, you know, he believed her and he's like, well, give me a week. I got to get, you know, stuff to prep for it. Uh-huh. And so he came over and he spent about eight hours doing a, a, an Indian uh, ritual of cleansing. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, you know, how to stand up to it. He's like, you can't, you know, show fear because fear is just going to make it stronger. Right. And so I was like, okay. And, I, and he goes, well, you're, you're ex-military police. You, you know, you do security for department of defense. You should be able to handle a bad guy. And I go, yeah, but those I could physically grab. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, bad guys don't, they're visible, you know, yeah. Right. But, so, yeah, so we did this ceremony, and after that, nothing happened for a full year. Wow. And and my mom um, got offered to go on a vacation trip to Georgia with a friend, and so I had the house to myself. It was the first night alone, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up with my Akita bursting into my room and jumping on top of my bed, scared to death. And I said, what's going on? And then all of a sudden I could just feel that energy. All the hair on my arm started rising in my neck. And I said, ah, shit, it's back. And, and, uh, and, uh, all the doors in the house, closet doors, bedroom doors were all opening and slamming. My bedroom door was constantly opening, closing and slamming. So immediately in, if, you know, I thought of the, the, the Indian, he was telling me, you know, stand yep, up to it. So fear, I, right? yep. I did. So I sat up out of, you know, my bed and I yelled at, I said, I'm not scared of you anymore. Bring it on. If you want to do something, just didn't get it over with. I'm tired of this. And the door suddenly stopped. And after that, we just had encounters from time to time, you know, from nine, let's see, 94 is when it started. And, um, from 95 after the cleansing, until 2000 when I finally moved out. I got married and moved out in 2000. And then um, my mom sold the house in 2003 and moved out. But uh, from all the way up to 2000, little things would happen here and there. But all I did was go, not impressed. Yeah. And uh, They're to hoping to catch you on an off day, I guess. you know. Right. And if I got pushed, I'm like, hey, thanks for letting me know you're here. You know, yeah. you guys need to move on, me alone kind of deal. So the time I was dating my wife, uh, later um, from 95 on, I met her and there were several nights she stayed there and she got to witness, you know, it wasn't negative that she got to witness. She witnessed picture frames, five picture frames at once on the wall, all moving on their own. And there was no earthquake or anything like that. And, uh, she witnessed shadow figures in the house. There was one time she thought I was out of the bed and she saw a man standing at the doorway and she reached over and I was still in bed and that, that spooked her. Um, but it, when it was real active, I used to have friends come over and they would stop coming over because I would provoke it. Because they're like, oh, Mike, that, you know, it's your active imagination. This and that. So, yeah, we'll come on over and see it. 
and that would start provoking and the lights would start flashing and strobing and sometimes a light bulb would explode and my friends would be running out the door and not coming back, you know. <laughs> yeah, and my mom, she was a, you know, a school teacher at the time and she um shared some of the experiences with one of her coworkers that she thought she could trust. Mm-hmm. And she she was called in in the office and told her she was on probation until she got a psychological evaluation from the school board. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And luckily, the the psychiatrist that did the evaluation believed my mom. Oh, good. You know, yeah, it's hard yeah. to find, you know, good psychiatrists or psychologists that, that believe that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she got, yeah, lucky. Just saying, you know, because I yeah. used to, I worked so, in that field. <laughs> <laughs> So from those experiences, um, uh, later on, I moved to Tennessee in 2005 ah. and, and, uh, my wife and I found this house and, uh, moved in. We hadn't even gotten furniture in it. And it was like the second day we were in the house and I was setting up, a my basement's finished and that was going to be my home office. Ah. And I was setting up a six foot folding table. And I was putting my computer on it, and all of a sudden, something catches my eye coming down the stairs, and I thought it was my wife bringing me a glass of water or something. And here comes this lady in a white Victorian dress with her hair in a bun, comes down the stairs and stops and looks right at me and smiles, and I'm, like, frozen looking at her. And <laughs> and she goes across the room and through the wall and disappears. And I yelled at the wife. I said, holy crap, we moved in a haunted house. Yeah. I'm like, I, I figured you'd say, oh, come on, lady. That was nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I, <laughs> I was still pretty gun shy. You know, I was like, I, I, man, I do not want to go through that again. Right. And uh, but luckily, you know, the ones here in my house are real friendly and uh, that I learned. Oh, but the, yeah, the Southern hospitality for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so during 2005, I was watching, you know, one of the paranormal shows and I was sitting there watching them talk to this family. And I said, Oh my God, they just put more fear in that poor family. Mm-hmm. And I said, and, yeah, we and, say now that all just, the time. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're leaving, them, you know, and I'm Don't like, Oh my God. Yeah. And I said, I go to my wife. I said, you know, I said, I really think my experience in Florida might help others. I said I should find a team and work with them and see if I can share my experiences to let people know they're not crazy that this stuff is real. Awesome. And and uh, so I did that. I worked with the team for a couple of years, and uh, the team was going in a path that I didn't like, so I left it. And my wife goes, "Well, you should start your own." And I said, "Well, I don't know if I want to deal with all that." And she's like, "No, you should." And so in two thousand, uh, I think it was eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. started my. Uh, own team and VSPR was born volunteer state paranormal research and cool. been doing that ever since helping people understand what they're going through. Wow. That's beautiful. You know, and we thank you for that. Like one of my favorite guests so far, you know, especially on the kind yeah. of day that we've been having, you know, here, here comes uh, <laughs> our friend Mike's here. Tim asked one question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, we got a chance to hear some fascinating, fascinating encounters that you've had. So we, and and what you've turned around to do with that, uh, with your right. team, which includes your wife too, which is awesome, you know. And plus, you know, the two questions I had for you, you answered, but you know, 
really cool. <laughs> yeah. If you had Rodeo Song and the Jukebox, that was number one. And and when did you move to Tennessee? That was <laughs> so so geez, Tim, your turn, baby. Yeah, he's been doing as long as I have. I, I started Butler Paranormal Research Society in two thousand nine. So yeah. Wow. I had a, I was a member of a team two years prior to that and decided to start a group closer to my house. Help my hometown out. So yeah, that's pretty incredible. Like See that? There, cool. Yeah, there's symbiosis here, man. Kismet, cool. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so yeah, I've had uh, all kinds of crazy, especially my house. My house is very active. Um, Still, when we first moved. Yeah. Oh yeah. To this day, it's very active. Um, but generally I, peaceful. Yeah, I haven't had anything you know negative happen here. Um, I use it as a, a learning facility for my for my team to practice. You know, we do a lot of ITC uh, experiments and stuff like oh, that. Oh, nice, nice, so, nice, nice. Yeah. And that was my um, question. <laughs> Okay. Well, I wasn't. I didn't ask it. Oh, the ITC stuff is awesome, though. You know, we we don't see enough of that. Do you see enough of that, Tim? Uh, I don't see enough of it. But I was going to ask him if he uses his house as a training ground. He answered that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he's good. He's 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 a psychic guy. Yeah, he knows all our questions. He anticipates (laughs) all our questions. (laughs) He he doesn't even need us. I said. Some people say you shouldn't use your own house to investigate, but you know, I tell you know when I talk to people, they're like, "Oh, we go investigate a place, and once we leave there, that's it. Nothing comes home." And I said, "Well, there's no guarantee they're not coming home. I've had them follow me from various locations and reach out trying to make contact with us, you know, to find answers for the spirits." Um, so, uh, from different locations I've investigated, I've had quite a few stuff follow me back, but nothing negative. They're yeah. just all reaching out. Hey, yeah. since you made contact with me, could you please continue? Uh, I need to. That's need your help kind of deal. Yeah, you that's know. because you're sensitive, Mike. You're you're uh, you're you're probably an empath, and this stuff knows. You know, these spirits know yeah, that you're. Now your energy, so they follow you. Plus, you've you've been through, you know, you've been through the thing, and you know, and you've you've come to terms with it. You've actually, right? You know, uh, you learned great advice, by the way, from the medicine man. You know, the whole don't yeah. choke your thing. I mean, a lot of psychic mediums will tell you the same thing. You know, for for paranormals going on, I I, I think that's excellent advice. A and B, you know, yeah, for for most people probably not a good idea to use your own place but this is a different situation right. you know you're somebody that's right. been pretty much through the ringer and back and knows better and and they know that you know better mm-hmm. you know right no point in messing with you if there's no fun in it you know that's that's a whole thing right. which is also a very important lesson but it begs the question and because you know because you know this and because you know, you yourself remarked that you've seen some shows where you've seen bad procedure done we cringe at that yeah. stuff all the time um, uh, do you, so you must feel the same way when you see some of these shows and you see real bad form in action, you know, for the yeah. sake of the studio audience and think, okay, that's bad form. People are going to learn the wrong lessons. Does it bother you as much as it bothers Timmy and I when those things happen? Not all shows are like that, but sometimes you see no. some things that you go, oh, come on, man. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I do. I, I, I yell at the TV at times. <laughs> <laughs> See, we could hang, right, Tim? We can all yell at <laughs> the TV. Every, 
when I when I re, uh, recruit new members on the team, I tell them right out from the get go, I'm not here to give you a personal experience and or entertain you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to le- we're here to learn from each other and try to find some answers and help others mm-hmm. what they're going through. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, when you do uh, do do like ITC, can you, people that are not familiar with that, can you can you help explain that? Yeah, uh, instrumental transcommunications using electronic devices for uh, spirits to communicate with you. It can be anything from like a TV where they can project a, a an image of themselves on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, more popular is the the Frank box or the ghost box. Yeah, the box. spirit box. Yeah, yeah. But um, you can, can you find a TV that has that? So we used to use the snow back in the day. They used to right, have snow right. on TV when you couldn't get a channel on. You know, black and white. Can you can you find TVs with snow anymore, or do you get like an old, you know? You get uh, an old, yeah. Wow. Get an, and then um, really uh, been for the past probably five or six years now since Daniel brought it out. Daniel Roparjo did the EchoVox. Uh, my uh, co-director Beth Lunsford, she's uh, good friends with him, and he gives us some of his apps to experiment with and, and give them feedback and say, Hey, this, you know, does amazing work. And we've had some amazing stuff come through the echo box that I said, how, how can you explain that? When as soon as you turn it on, it goes hi, Mike. And where I've had a team member that was on the other side of Nashville one night and asked, does anybody here want to communicate with me? And she got a reply goes, where's Mike Sears and Beth Lunsford. And she immediately you know, called up, you know, Beth up and said, Hey, you need to listen to this. And Beth contacted me like wow. after midnight and she's like, listen to this. And I'm like, wow. I said, they See? actually said our full, full name. Yeah. I said, Plus they know that. you in Nashville, which is awesome. You know, <laughs> usually it's the other way around. You know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's you that knows then, the Nashville talent, but it's the other way around. That's cool. And then when you get other piece, you know, other equipment you're using during an echo box session where we've been experimenting past probably two years now using the connect the xbox connect um uh, i'll hook that up to a computer and see if we can get an image appear on the screen of you know of a stick figure and i we've had come through the echo box at my house where we'll hook it up to the, the on my big flat screen tv will be the monitor so everybody can watch it at once and uh We've had come through the echo box with a female voice going, you know, I'm right here. And you're like, where, where's here? And she'll go in front of Mike. And I'll go to one of my team members. Hey, aim the connect at me and see what you get. And sure enough on the screen, there'll be a stick figure standing right in front of me. See that I'm, I'm a steam guy, but this is the first time I, I will go out and get an Xbox for some reason now because <laughs> got that connected. Yeah. With the- yeah. I used the, uh, the Xbox, uh, the Xbox one. It's more in depth, and uh, I, I'll put it on sometimes 3D grid. We've caught things on there that we just can't explain. Uh, I had the pretty amazing one night. We're sitting there in the 3D grid version, and out of my living room wall, this thing looked like a big giant snake worm coming out of the wall, goes behind the fish tank, and comes back out. And we're like, what the hell is that? We couldn't, couldn't debunk that. Um, where we've seen orbs appear on the connect. Mm-hmm. And fly across. We'll say, can you come over here and touch? You know, turn on our motion light, mm-hmm. and you will see a ball on the connect go on the screen, flying across the room, and then go, and it's going towards the direction of the motion light sensor. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the motion light comes on, wow. and I'm like, 
Well, I mean, what kind of dust particle does that? That's yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> takes direction. <laughs> yeah, right. Boy, got to get me an Xbox now, Tim. Yeah, on you a know? TV show, yeah. there was a team that used that. I can't remember who they were. What show? Yeah, it was. Ghost, Ghost Adventures. Uh, yeah, they, the Ghost they Adventures used, uh, guys built, had it. Yeah. yeah. Bill, Bill, Bill Chappell uses the. Um, oh, he's awesome. Version, which is a, a handheld version you can walk around, but uh, I just use the regular, you know, Xbox One Connect. I set that up on a tripod, plug it into a laptop, and then plug. Uh, you can either watch it from your laptop monitor or, you know, hook hook your computer up to a big flat screen TV so everybody can see it at once. Though you got to be careful. I I use it on one investigation, and the spirit at this location we investigated uh, uh, fried my laptop. Oh. Oh wow. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Right during the investigation, my laptop suddenly just. Sh- black screen dies out. I took it to the repair shop and the guy goes, did you have a magnet hit this thing? Cause it is like gone. And I'm like, wow. yeah. And then night I had a motion light burned out and I went through three recorders and the team witnessed uh, about the size of a golf ball, glowing ball light fly across the room and go right into me and, and, and come out the back of me. And I, I said it when, when it happened, I said, damn, it was like I grabbed an electrical wall outlet and got electrocuted. It was just that much energy. Wow. Yeah, I would have been like, dude, do you realize how you, how much you just cost me here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fix this damn thing. <laughs> I was running out of recorders. Every time I go, come up here and talk into my recorder, Boop, my recorder died. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Do we have any spirits in the house who can fix my computer now? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any computer technicians? Yeah, now that you broke yeah. it, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been me. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, this place, uh, it's a public known location. It's uh, Octagon Hall in uh, Franklin, oh. Kentucky. Okay. And it, it's been on um, Ghost Hunters with Taps. It's been on um, The Haunted Collector with uh, John Zaffis. Was yeah, John there. Zaffis, yeah. Brian Cannon. Yeah. And uh, very active location. I've been investigating there since 2006, and I've done 18 investigations at Octagon Hall. Wow. Um, and I've seen a lot there from full body apparitions to things moving. And they got some pretty amazing stuff. They got a security camera system set up there and probably the most impressive thing they caught one night in the middle of the night, when they went to review their security film footage, they had a candle opera that was a silver candle opera. And where you place the candles in the candle opera is these little uh, copper brass cups. They go in there to put the candle in to protect the silver. Mm-hmm. And they witnessed on the security camera a candle literally light on its own. Wow. Yeah. And the candle was only probably about maybe three inches left on it. And the candle lit, went out for a few seconds, came back on, and then melted the candle. And the heat was so intense, it soldered the brass cup to the silver candle opera. Wow. And they had them worried going, if they can do that to a candle, I'm worried about this place getting burned down. Yeah, know? sure. Yeah, right. But it was pretty impressive. They caught that on film. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's um, ironic. You I, could have had your, your uh, the, the Victorian woman in the white uh, dress there <laughs> comment. Yeah. Hey, can you fix my candelabra over here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> After the Before the candle lit and after the candle lit, you see an orb on the screen fly towards that candelabra. Wow. wow. Yeah. I used to be a big skeptic of orbs, but 
when I worked with a psychic medium and she kept on going, do you see the spirit light? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not seeing that. And I said, take pictures of you see these spirit lights. <laughs> and every time she would take a picture, there'd be an orb in her photo. And we were doing a civil war plantation. And she says, oh, two young men just came in the room. And I said, I said, have them sit in the chairs in front of us. And I had a natural, uh, natural EMF tri-field meter sitting on the chair. Okay. And uh, that started pegging. And she goes, they're sitting in the chair. I said, well, take a picture of it. <laughs> and right above the chairs was uh, an orb over each chair. <laughs> and I said, wow. wow, that's amazing coincidence or that's some serious intelligent dust. That's, that's pretty yeah, amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I always thought orbs got a, a raw deal, you know. People yeah. are very dismissive. I mean, of there them. is some that are false positives. But. Well, sure, but, you know, but not the ones that you, you say, hey, can you move over here and, and, and sit over here and set the uh, motion detector right. up. You know, I mean, dust can't do that, you know, so, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, there's a way around dismissing orbs, you know, because there yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff there. Yeah. Have you been at Waverly, Mike? Yes, uh, I went to Waverly, uh, the most shadow figures I've ever witnessed. Um, I think it was, it was either 2006 or 2007 I was there. Can't remember. It was quite a while ago, but uh, when we were there, um, we had two amazing experiences. One was the shadow figures. We did an experiment on the third floor where we sent three investigators down the hallway until they were out of our sight of vision. And we told them to stop. And we sent one, we sent them one back at a time and see if anything would follow them back down the hallway. So the first guy, he starts walking back towards us and he is like, man, the hair on my neck is standing up. And I, and we're like, yeah, there's two shadow figures behind you. We could actually <laughs> see the head and shoulders. And as he got closer, you literally see, you know, they drift off to the side to one of the side rooms as he got closer to us. Second guy comes down the hallway. He's like, I'm not feeling anything. And we're like, we're not seeing anything. And um, the third guy's like, hey, I'm getting creeped down here down alone. You know, can you send me back? And we're like, yeah, start coming down. And he starts coming down. He's like, man, the hair on me is just standing up. And I'm going, one, two, three, and the community next to me, she's like, are you seeing that too? And I said, yeah, I'm counting the heads and shoulders and just kept on going up four, five, you know, and he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And he started walking faster towards us. And uh, yeah, it was seven, seven shadow figures that we saw wow. coming up behind him. Did you, yeah. did you have any experiences? And, did you have any experiences in uh, 502 where the nurse supposedly hung herself? There, we were in that room, and you could you could look out and see the the open roof area. There used to be a kids' swing set when we were there, mm-hmm. and we're sitting in the room doing an EVP session. And I had the uh, the psychic medium had her son there, and he was sitting to the right of me, and he about climbed over me, about knocked me over. And I said, "What is your problem?" And he's like, "Did you not see that?" And I said, "No, what?" And he says, "There was an arm reaching out of the wall towards me." <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so that that spooked me. Um, I, my wife and I, we did an experiment where we had several members in the main hallway and her and I went out on the, the balcony area and we both walked down at the same time and we would see each other through the bedroom doors mm-hmm. going past each other. And the, we went by this one room and, and my wife goes, what's wrong? I squeezed her hand. I was still pretty new in investigating at the time. Right. And still a little scared from dealing with the the haunting I had in Florida. So I squeezed her hand. She's like, what's up? And I said, 
keep on walking. And there's a, about a six foot tall black shadow figure <laughs> standing right in the middle of the room. She's like, whoa. She turned, you know, she went and looked and she saw it. But the most amazing thing at Waverly was the death tunnel. Mm-hmm. And we had two occurrences happen in there. One was, uh, we were all standing there and it's like pitch black. Can't even see your hand in front of your face. And we're sitting there, um, trying to talk. And all of a sudden you can see this black, blacker than black silhouette of someone standing off to the left of me. And, um, I go, is that, is that Matt? And his wife goes, yeah, he's right behind me. And she sees the shadow figure. She's shadow man. She goes, Matt, you're really dark and dark. And he goes, what? And, um, he, all of a sudden she hits, well, her son uh, turned on the flashlight and lit up the area and where that shadow figure was, there was nobody standing there. Wow. <laughs> we're like, Whoa. So then later we started, you know, asking questions and I, we go to the security guard that was with us. We said, what's with the light at the end of the tunnel? And he goes, I don't know. And we go, is there a, is there a light down there by the railroad track? And he goes, not that I know of. So we set the younger kid down this all the way to the end of the tunnel. <laughs> let's, let's get Mikey. Oh, you're Mikey. <laughs> and he gets all the way down there and it goes pitch black. And we're on the walkie talkie going, well, is there light? And he's like, no, there's no light down here. And we're like, well, where the hell is that light coming from? So he gets all the way back up to the top and the light reappears. Hmm. So the team leader, he has a, he has a laser pointer and points at it and starts bringing the laser point up the steps. Well, the white light started following the the laser, the laser pointer, <laughs> and and the team leader goes, "Holy cow! It's like fishing for ghosts." You know, he made, <laughs> I never fit that joke. <laughs> so it starts getting closer and closer up the tunnel, and it was funny because we had a guy there that was our cameraman, and he worked for CMT Country Music Television, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be filming, and. All, all of our recorders when we went back to listen it was funny because we're all just cussing going holy crap oh you know this and that you know and we're just all in shock and disbelief but we start seeing this image of a guy with a collar shirt and bib overalls from the knees up and the security guard he's like he only been there for about a month and he's like I've been here a month I've never seen anything like this and he just got closer and closer and we're all just all gasping and it's glowing like a glowing white you know figure luminescent and it probably got about, I would say, 20, 30 feet up to us. And then it just, boom, super fast shot back down the tunnel. Wow. And, yeah. So, way really was pretty amazing back then. I haven't gone back since then, but... Yeah, I, I don't think I would either. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, doesn't, it doesn't scare me. You know, now I've gotten a lot braver. I mean, I've been thrown into walls or pushed and... And once I make contact like that, I'm like, well, thanks for letting me know you're here. Now talking to my mic, you know. Yeah, really. Yeah, I hear you. And places like that, uh, for me, well, it's a, I guess it's a kind of a personal thing because, you know, I used to work at a nonprofit where I, uh, I had taught computer skills to schizophrenics, you know, and vocational skills. And oh, wow. and sometimes, you know, they... they uh, the uh, deteriorate and we have to bring them to the hospital, you know? So then we go visit them in the hospital and, and it's really not that different than what a Waverly used to be. 
<clears throat> or a place like a Pennhurst, which is closer to right. Timmy, you know, because it's uh, it's a situation where, you know, there there is somebody else's undesirable element that you're taking on as an institution. And all of a sudden, everybody wants their own undesirable elements in there with those folks, you know, <clears throat> and right. all of a sudden, you know, before the doors even open. You know, they're massively understaffed and, and overpopulated and bad things happen, you know, right. and because I, I see, you know, you see that with, with uh, in, in a living space, you know, it, it transfers, you know, it's a sad thing. So I can't I can't go to places like that because, I you know, I've seen how it, how it doesn't really work out for living people while they're alive. So, you know, right. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit empathic, so when I go into a place like that, I get sometimes real emotional walking through yeah, some of those Yeah, places. sure, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when we did it, and uh, when we got back, it took me about two weeks to get rid of that emotion that, that I felt there. It's really, <laughs> really bad. Yeah, it's hard to decompress from that. It is. <laughs> it sure really is. is. It, it stays with you, and it's not, it's not spirits that are haunting you. It's It's that... Yeah, you know the that energy, that that emotion. Well, you know. Well, the good example of this energy um, you're talking about. I had uh, an amazing experience in 2012 at my house. Um, oh. It was 2012 on a on a Saturday morning. Um, I woke up about six in the morning, and I felt like there was someone like watching me. And I woke up and I look at my bedroom window and I could see a silhouette of someone pacing on my front porch of my house. Huh. And I'm like, who the hell is on my porch at six in the morning? So I threw on some pants real quick and uh, opened up my door and I look to the left and I see the back of this woman crying. And I say, excuse me, are you okay? Can I help you? And she turns around and, and it was my dad's mom, my grandmother. Uh-huh. And, and I said, are you okay? And she's like, Mike, I am so sorry how I treated you. After my dad had passed away, we had called her to tell him that he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And she goes, um, well, since my son's dead, I guess there's no reason to stay in touch with you guys. So I'm just going to say goodbye and wish you the best. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm your grandson. I would hope we stay in touch. And she's yeah. like, no, there's no reason. And I, I was like crushed and hurt by it. You know, I've known her since, you know, little kid. So, right. um, I, she hung up on me. I tried to call her back. She wouldn't answer. We sent her, uh, several letters. She wouldn't reply. And, um, she ended up having a pretty lonely and sad life at the end there. And so, she, so she's sitting there at, she goes, I'm asking you for forgiveness. I'm really sorry how I treated you. And I said, yeah, I forgive you. You've had a really rough life, you know, no heart, no hard feelings. So she walks up to me and reaches out and I give her a hug and, and I could feel her hugging me and I, you know, feel her, her clothes, her hair and her frail body as I'm hugging her. And then I felt this most amazing feeling of love come across. And then she turned into this bright white of light that blinded me where I had to close my eyes. And then it was almost like someone taking a mag light and putting it right in my closed eyes. It was so intense. And then she was gone and I'm standing there on my porch with my arms out and I'm looking around my neighbors across the street, you know, are they up? Are they getting their paper? You know, what did they see? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like in total shock because my grandmother had been dead for about seven years. 
And the neighbors yeah. are probably saying, oh, yeah, that's Mike. He makes out with himself on the porch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think we go out to get the paper eight times every morning, you know, just so you can see it? <laughs> so I walk back in the house. I'm like in total shock. You know, I've never encountered anything like this. Um, I go back in the bedroom, laying in the bed. And my, which wakes up my wife and she's like, are you okay? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what I just, you know, witnessed. She's like, what happened? So I'm trying to explain it to her what happened. And she's like, well, you know what? Let me get up and make some coffee. And we just, you know, talk about it over coffee. And I said, all right. And, um, as I get up out of the bed, the whole room starts spinning and I lost my balance and hit the floor real hard. And she come running in. She's like, are you okay? And I said, quick, grab a trash can or something. And I just started throwing up. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, so later on when I was able to somewhat focus, but I was dizzy, lightheaded, nauseated for over two days. Wow. And I contacted some of the uh, mediums that I know and trust and shared the experience with them. They're like, Oh, Whoa. Yeah. Your body was, you know, wasn't used to that type of energy, your energy mm-hmm. combined. Yeah. You should have uh, gone for a walk, ate some chocolate, did a shower, you know, to get that energy off you. And I'm like, well, it's first for me. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. That sounds like but, a, almost a divine encounter, you know, an angelic yeah. or divine encounter. Yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. something I'll never forget. But yeah, the energy from that was just so intense. Yeah, I can imagine. Right. You guys ready to take a break? We got about half. Yeah, I'm. Left. I'm going to make out with myself for a couple of minutes because in case the neighbors are looking, you know. <laughs> I'll be okay, don't you? And on that note, we'll be right back with Mike Sears right after this. You're listening to Supernatural Realm on WCET. We'll be back. You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. What is the supernatural realm exactly? Why do people have paranormal or mystical experiences? There's some science behind it they're not looking at. Why do some people have negative encounters and others don't? What are the best methods to use? And is there some new truth to them? We'll ask these questions on the hit radio show, Supernatural Realm with Tim Roxbury, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your co-host Chip Reichenthal. Supernatural Realm, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Midlands at 9, right here on WCETFM, because that's where the action is. Right, but a uh, talking gecko, why? I'll tell you why, because people trust advertising icons. Some bloke tells you to go to geico.com and you're like, really? And just who might you be? But a gecko, he can be trusted. I ask if you want to save hundreds on car insurance and you're like, yes, thank you. Mind babysitting my kids? And I'm like, of course I'll sit with the kids. You're like a brother to me. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Thanks for watching a video from the best of Geico. To vote for your favorite Mondays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Kindness Beyond the Veil. Even in the darkest realms and mysteries, good things happen. Kind, even loving.
haunting things in the paranormal, psychic world, extraterrestrials, mystical healing, light workers, starseeds, things that have astounded us since the beginning of time, do have a Monday side to them, and we'll show you on Kindness Beyond the Veil, every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Chip Reichenthal, leading into Michael Barrett's Late Night in the Midlands show at 9 Eastern, making Mondays worthy of looking forward to right here on WCETFM, because that's where the action is. And welcome back to the Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM, 101.7 FM in Columbia, South Carolina. Chip, are you there, buddy? I sure am, yes. And, and we've been uh, having a wonderful time here with our honored guest, Mike Sears. Uh, he is the lead investigator and director for the Volunteer State Paranormal Research uh, volunteer state, of course, Tennessee, unlike New York, where I live, where it's, I ain't volunteering nothing, man. Have you seen my taxes? <laughs> state. Yeah. Of course, that's a kind of a crowded website address there. But for volunteer state paranormal research, uh, where you can learn more about Mike Sears and his team, uh, head on over to vsparanormal.com and check it out. Check out all their, their wonderful work. You have to see a nice Nice pictures of the group. Very attractive group of members you got there. You know, Thank I you. could only get ugly people in my group. That's why we don't <laughs> advertise. <laughs> but that's for another show. <laughs> that's why you don't advertise, and that's why I don't have a group no more. <laughs> is what it is, you know. Got to go with what the what God gave you, I suppose. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's why we won't advertise, but yeah, hey. but oh, wow, we've been hearing some hey. phenomenal, um, you know, uh, uh, stories from, from home and work from the marvelous Mike Sears. Timmy, you were going to say something there? Buddy? Yeah, speaking of advertising, uh, I want to tell everybody about the Butler Paranormal Conference coming up Saturday, uh, the, the 6th of April. Oh, hey, why don't you tell everybody about the Butler Paranormal thingy it's uh saturday uh the 6th it's at the in tanglewood Butler county pennsylvania it's at, right it's at the tanglewood center in lindor pennsylvania one of the huge i mean huge uh guest speakers that's going to be there is john tenney from Cupstalkers, one of our good friends here yeah. on uh wctfm yeah very cool yeah you got uh, uh former guest brian seach is going to be there too these uh, uh, cryptozoological yeah. research. Him and his wife Terry are co-founders of of the Butler Paranormal Conference. They're one of the uh, two of the organizers uh, there as well. So it's going to be a great time. It's going to be from wow. ten to seven p.m. Eastern in the door, PA. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun at the Tanglewood Center. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. Wow, 
How awesome is that? You know, who's not going to be there is our honored guest today, Mike Sears, because he's busy. You know, <laughs> he's got his own group and everything. <laughs> um, and I guess it begs the question. So, uh, what what kind of things are you are you and and your team up to uh, currently? Mike. Um, we just, we just finished uh, working on a residential case earlier this year, and oh. uh, right now we're we've just asked to come back recently to a, a public high school that we've been researching for about six years now. Public high school. Interesting. Are yeah. they reporting yeah, we, activity or is it just because it's a high uh, school? Yeah. Um, when we were first called in, they wanted us to try to debunk it. The principal um, was saying, um, you know, tired students and uh, teachers saying. Well, that's what principals so, would do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we told him he was welcome to sit in and watch and, uh, we had some pretty amazing uh, experiences with the motion lights coming on command and uh, using the ovulus where names came through that actually matched to prior faculty that worked there that had passed away. Uh, um, not on and, premises, uh, though? They didn't pass away on premises? No, no, no. And they had shared some pretty amazing stories. One was uh, a police officer, local police, that was checking security on the school at, late at night. It was about 3 or 4 in the morning, and... Uh, they saw a light on in one of the classrooms. So they pulled over to check it and walked up to the window and saw a teacher in there working in the classroom. They tapped on the window and the man looked at the police officer and walked out of the room. So they thought, Oh, he must be going to the side door to let us in. So they went to the door and no one showed up. So they ended up calling to see if they could have someone come in and unlock the school and custodian came in there and they searched the school and couldn't find anyone. And police described the man that they saw and they said, Oh, that's coach so-and-so. And they go, uh, well, where's he at? And he goes, well, he's been dead for quite a few years. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people had seen him and, uh, but yeah, we caught some pretty amazing stuff. I get, we, we were doing a session in the library where they had witnessed, uh, you know, books falling on their own computers, turning on by themselves that they couldn't explain. Wow. And, but they had full apparitions where they were seeing a, a girl in, uh, late 1950s, early 60s uh, dress attire. Ooh. And yeah, uh, there was one one teacher ran out of there. He was Xeroxing some paperwork and he looked over in there by the bookshelves with a high school girl age about uh, with a like a poodle type skirt and saddle shoes. And she looked right at him and smiled and vanished. And, uh, and because she was an apparition, was there any particular history on her dying on premises? No, no, there wasn't any of that, but we, uh, we did a session in there and one of our video cameras while we were doing the session, we caught a red ball of light, literally fly over our heads, go around the room and, um, and you know, and it's literally pulsating and, and then flies back out of the room. We couldn't explain that. Another one that we got there was, I got these manifestations near this, uh, library table chairs where we had a, a trap camera set up and we had the place totally locked down for no one to come in. So there shouldn't have been anything to, to trigger that. So we caught that in there. Plus we've had some pretty amazing uh, EVPs and ITC sessions in there. And then one of the other ones that was pretty amazing was spooky. One of my team members, the auditorium was having reports of hearing walking behind, you know, up in the balconies and seeing shadow figures up there, which we witnessed also while we were there. But um, there was, one of my team members was sitting in the, in the audience area there. And she felt like someone was sitting behind her and she turned around and there was this young kid, this young boy. He looked right at her and smiled and then just poof vanished. 
And she let out a scar, you know, a little scream there. And we're like, are you okay? And she's like, I just saw a kid sitting behind me. And so she was pretty startled. So we had a, we called a break and we went out in the lobby area and they had all these trophy cases and we're all out there talking and she's looking at the cases. And all of a sudden she goes, Holy crap. That's, that's the boy I saw sitting behind me. And the teacher's like, no, no. And she goes, are you sure? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, he was killed a couple of years ago in a car accident. Wow. Yeah. So we've had some pretty amazing experiences there. They, they ended up um, tearing down the school a couple of years ago and rebuilt a brand new school on the same grounds where the old school was. And now they're having activity in the new school. So they've asked us to come back and see if it's the same people that are still there, if we get the same names and wow, see what's interesting. up. Yeah. Probably even more upset now because they changed everything around. Right? Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a more modern, fancy, you know, building now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are all the hauntings connected to the school or just a few of them? Um, what we found there seemed to be all connected prior, uh, students and faculty. Um, well, you did, did your research well, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, there is a graveyard right next to the property, so there might be something going on there, you know, other spirits that have fallen over. Plus that area is real prime for civil war, uh, battles and activity also. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, centuries of spirit energy flowing through that area. Yeah, it's amazing uh, how people, you know, the people that do investigations, you know, probably know a few too, Chip, where, you know, they go in and tell you the place is haunted and they leave. They don't come back and they're like, mm-hmm. good luck, you know, they're just <laughs> yeah. there to stir, stir crap up and that's all the further they go yeah. with it. Yeah, or they don't do the research that they say, you know, I know more people in that case. I mean, you listen to it because you can tell. Yeah. The, the research that was done here prior to going to this school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's exemplary. I mean, that that's that's the kind of thing. That's the example you want to set for folks. You know, this is this is how you do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's why I tell my team, you know, I'm, I'm not for uh, quantity. You know, I, I'm not for quantity. I'm looking quality. for quality. Mm-hmm. So um, if we do one case a year, that's it. That's why I tell, you know, new people that want to join my team. I said, I'm not here to entertain you. And. Not every month. And you talk to these teams, are like, uh, we got three cases this weekend. I'm like, holy cow, where do you find the time to do all the data research and review it? And and then when they do say, well, we got this there, I go, well, have you gone back to follow up? <laughs> like, no, run to the next place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, well, we, we thank you for, for setting a good example. You know, we're always encouraged to hear that because, you know, we, we love to hear about good work, you know. Uh, I think you can build a nice, you know, connection with the spirits by doing that. I worked at a museum for three and a half years and oh. that place was very active. Right. And um, I used to turn my recorder on as soon as I was unlocking the doors and I would turn it on as I'm walking up. And I had EVPs of them saying, you know, Mike's here. It's opening time or good night, Mike, when I'm closing up. And uh, it was just amazing. And it's the only place I've ever gone to where one morning I opened up and I started talking. I said, look, I know you're here. I got you saying this and this and this. So I'm not scared. Of you. And, and all of a sudden this figure stepped out of a room, full silhouette of a man stood in the hallway. And I was like, wow, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Say, hey, nice <laughs> like, to see thanks. you. Yeah, still not yeah. scared. Thanks for showing yourself. And then I stepped back into the room. I was like, wow. Yeah. But yeah, that, that museum was like super active and it oh, was I amazing. We had a, a, one of the directors that worked there. He was very skeptic and he had me do a guest speaking there and a paranormal investigation to raise money for the place. Oh, nice. And And he was like, yeah, is it all right if I stay? And I'm like, sure, you know, you're letting me do in the event here. So, and, uh, so we had, uh, him in the gift shop with my wife was leading the team and they started having EMF interaction on the K2 meter. And so he's asking what's that about? And my wife goes, well, you know, the theory is it's a spirit, you know, trying to connect with us and let us know they're here. And this was in October and it was cool outside. So the heat had made all the windows, fog over and there was a glass door also that led into the gift shop that was totally fogged over and he goes well if that's them why don't they go up there and touch one of those windows and let us know they're here and about a minute after he said that a handprint appeared on the glass door (laughs) see they don't yeah it it, it spooked him and then uh as his uh um assistant was going oh that had to be there before you know and he's like no there was nothing on there that's why he asked it and as they're arguing about it all of a sudden about a foot below it was a child's handprint suddenly appeared on the door so he became a believer and we had a a docent she was like very skeptical she's like Oh, don't talk about ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. And she ended up quitting. She uh, literally ran out and said she'll never come back. Um, she was working the, the gift shop, and we had on this table a wooden doll. They had holes to, to hold uh, old-fashioned candy suckers in. Wow. And and she she heard this, like, rattling noise, and she's like, what, what is that? And she's behind the cash register, and she looks, and all of a sudden, she literally sees the sugar, uh, the sucker come out of the, the doll and float across the gift shop and hit the wall and fell to the floor. It was like someone had picked it up and was going to walk away with it. But when it got to the wall, they couldn't take it with them. And she ended up running out of there and quitting. She's like, no See, way. But there's a message, though, you know, because she's a non-believer. They're basically saying, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a place that honors people's history. What do you expect is going to happen? You know? Yeah. You know? And that place, they had a a grumpy guy that's been seen on the second floor. Um, Best way to describe him, he looks like Bluto from uh, Popeye. Is the best best way we can describe him. That's probably why he's grumpy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we had an elevator repairman come in one morning before the museum opened, and he's up there working on the second floor of the elevator, and he sees this guy step out of the side room in the hallway, and he goes, hi, what's up? And the guy says nothing and just gives like a grunt, gruff, you know, thing and walks back into the side room. And he's like, hey, I'm supposed to be here, you know, uh, I'm working. So he goes walking down the hallway to see what the guy's problem was, and nobody's in the room. So he immediately he immediately comes downstairs and me and one of the other uh, curators who was working and he goes to us, he goes, is this place haunted? And we're like, why do you ask? And, <laughs> and sure enough, he described the guy and we're like, oh, you met, we call him Mr. Grumpy. And I said, yeah, <laughs> he's a ghost. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had a lot of people witness stuff there. That was a pretty amazing place. And working there for three and a half years, you know, I made a connection with him. And uh, so... I was crushed. Um, they had a new director come in and uh, didn't like my ghost stuff because we're in the Bible Belt here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
uh, got upset with me with the paranormal and uh, uh, ended up uh, leaving there. And I was so upset for like three days. And one night I couldn't, I was sitting there trying not to sleep. And uh, I looked at the end of the bed and there's about like 12 people standing at the end of my bed, uh, men, women, kids, all in different periods clothing. And I was like, I thought I was hallucinating. And I heard them all say, you know, it's all right, Mike, you don't have to come and see us anymore. We'll come and see you and talk to you. And uh, um, had a good night's sleep. And the next morning I tell my wife about it. And I said, we got to do an ITC session because I just can't believe what happened last night. And sure enough, we had, you know, EVP saying the name of the place and names that match to the history of the place. And Yeah, so, well, I mean, history, it, yeah. 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 Go yeah. ahead. No, I was just, uh, you know, said we we did a couple of um, investigations at a, a a a war memorial, not like the concert halls, like in Rochester where they had the big war memorial at concert right. halls, but an actual, right. you know, little building that was a war memorial, and they had, you know, um, uh, graveyards of of uh, soldiers, and but they honored their history, you know, and here's the right. heroes and and the weapons they actually used and. You know, it was all designed to honor these people, you know, so we'd get activity there, but it wasn't negative because, you know, these people were uh, right. st st still, you know, we're still paying homage to them, you know, and, right. and so it's a kind of a different energy than, you know, I guess my, my favorite bone to pick, a, a place like a, a Lizzie Borden house, you know, <laughs> that, that right. you know, makes a, a uh, attracts, you know, the notoriety behind a, a woman who died believing that she was innocent and was going to be found innocent, you know. Um, right. It's a different kind of history, different, keeping a different kind of history alive, you know, so I can just imagine the activity that you must have had there, especially being sensitive, like Timmy said, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're very sensitive. Very so. much so. Yeah, and, you know, kind of a, kind of a, this a, a attractive light, if you will. And I was like museums myself because it 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 uh, pays a, a a positive uh homage to to the history of folks you know it represents yeah. them well yeah I just said Chip, with the, yeah as you said ahead. Chip, like uh, like attracts like you know so <laughs> go ahead michael um we would have like uh rotating exhibits that stuff would come in and we would have like act activity would change. It'd be like a whole different spirit, which mm -hmm. we believed it was like attached to, mm -hmm. you know, items that come in. And sure. we had, uh, when we did the public event, um, we were working on a world war two exhibit mm -hmm. and, um, we were using the obvious and all of a sudden this name clears day comes through. And this lady that was there, she's like, Oh my God, that's my, you know, father's name. And it was an older woman. Wow. And I said, really? And I said, how is he connected? And she goes, well, I brought in his, he was a, a, a doctor medic in uh, World War II. And she's like, I brought in his medical bag for huh. the exhibit. Wow. Ah. And so I was like, no way. So I went and grabbed it, brought it back and set it on the table and uh, put a K2 on top of the medical bag. And I said, if, uh, this is, if this is you, so-and-so, can you please, you know, come up and light this up? And sure enough, the K2 is lighting up. But that was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then that, you know, and then we asked later after we got rid of the, you know, the exhibit, asked if he was still around and, you know, the name never came back through again. But so we had some weird stuff like that with different things that came in. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's why I like museums. <laughs> yeah. 
you know and and the attachments are aren't aren't negative most of the time because you know there are memories uh, right. that are attached to them and an honor that are attached to those memories so that in essence we're honoring their memory and you know right. no reason to get mad about that you know um the team i first trained with um from 2006 to 2008 the the team leader had access to an old elementary school and the school was built in um 1908 and um it was right across the street from the baptist hospital so we used to have all kinds of activity happening there but the psychic she picked up a name we researched the name and it matched to a custodian who in 1912 was caught supposedly uh molesting kids downstairs in the basement area uh, and the, the city of Nashville hung them. And, uh, so he was very negative. Didn't like female investigators. Yeah, that would they be a always, bit of a different energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he always, the females would always get, you know, touched in the wrong places and, wow. and it was pretty spooky, but it's the only place where I was physically attacked on an investigation and where, the I go, my left ear is just on fire and the the medium goes, I think you're being attacked. And then the team leader, we're sitting like in a horseshoe formation of chairs doing our session. And the guy goes, from my point of view, Mike, you just like totally vanished. All I see is blackness where you're supposed to be. Really? And she goes, Mike, she goes, Mike, you're being attacked. You got to go. So I try to get out of the chair and I felt this big paw of a hand push my shoulder back into the chair and She's like, are you leaving? I said, I'm trying to. And I get back out of the chair and I, I leave the room and I go outside. And my left ear is like super, super red. And she, she comes out there and she goes, yeah, I think, you know, you were being attacked. Well, the next day, my whole left ear peeled like I had a bad sunburn. Wow. So that's probably wow. the most intense thing I've ever had on an investigation. Wow. But that school was like super active. I, I saw full body apparitions. And the last night we ever got to investigate there because we caused the police to come there and and the school was owned by the um the hospital they were using it as a for storage and extra offices and um we were there on labor day weekend and i had just seen a full body apparition of a little kid sitting in the corner like he was in timeout he looked right at me and smiled and vanished and uh all of a sudden we hear doors outside closing and the team leader suddenly goes oh wow the cops are here he says i'll go down and talk to him and one of the other team members i'll go to and so they went out to go check and they yelled up the, we're on the third floor and they yell up the stairs says, Hey, you guys got to come down. We're like, okay. So we start grabbing all the gear to come down. And this police officer comes walking up the stairs and I'm holding up my recorder and camera. I'm like, I'm not armed, you know? And he's like, he's got his pistol in his hand. And then we're like, he goes, is it just you two left up here? And we're like, yep, that's just us. Anybody else is up there. They're dead. And his eyes got like huge. <laughs> And he, I, I said, we're, you know, paranormal investigators. He's like, okay. So we go outside and he brings us out and the cops are outside going, where's the others? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he goes, what others? He says, they're the only two up there. And he goes, no, that, that window up there, which was another classroom at the corner <laughs> there. And he goes, there was three people looking out the window. Wow. And they go, well, that wasn't, that wasn't us. And then the people that called the police, they lived across the street from the school. They thought some kids had broken into the school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why they called, they didn't know we were authorized to be in there. Right. And um, so they had seen the same three looking out the window too. Wow. It was a man and a woman and a little kid. And uh, 
So they sent in um, all the cops, two canine units, and they came out empty-handed. <laughs> the, 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 the three people in the window are probably going, hey, officer, there's a couple of creepy guys running around in here. Right? <laughs> we don't know if they belong here or not. <laughs> Have you had any experiences with on with um uh, antique items? Um, no, I, I don't think I've had any like of attachments with it, you know anything that I can recall. No, I don't recall anything like that. Right. Mostly just locations, you know, linked to the property. But I, I the only thing I've had with an item would be just that World War II one with the medical bag. Okay. That was probably about the only thing that I can recall. Hey, uh, Mike, I got a question for you. And again, our honored guest today here on Supernatural Realm, Mike Sears, uh, lead investigator and director of Volunteer State Paranormal Research. Uh, it's got a great team. Boy, they do wonderful, wonderful work. But I mean, we're, we're just proud, really proud to have them here. Um, we, we've got uh, just a couple minutes left, I think, and, and um, we want to make sure that we get all the good contact information for you and for your team. I, I know you have the Volunteer State Paranormal Research website at vsparanormal.com. Any other places uh, that are good for finding out more about you, Mike Sears, or any of your team members you want to give a shout out or uh, any other places we could find you around? Yeah, um, we're we're also on Facebook. Uh, do a search on Facebook, Volunteer State Paranormal Research. Um, also, my co-director, she does a lot of ITC um, research. She has her um, own Facebook page, which is Music City Ghost, and you can also find links on our web on our website for her website, also, which is Music City Ghost, which is a lot of she has a lot of videos on her her research working with Echovox and, and that that's Beth Lunsford. Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, music and, City Ghost. Uh, and then recently, um, Brett Oldham, he uh, he wrote a book on the afterlife, on true encounters of the afterlife, and it mm -hmm. was just released uh, in March on Amazon.com. Wow. And uh, him and his wife, uh, Julie and Brett, they interviewed a whole bunch of people, and I was one of the people on Chapter 3 in the book, talking Ooh. about my uh, dad's death there in the book. So if you're into afterlife uh, stories and ghosts and spirits, um, that's a great book to read. Awesome. Yeah, for those for those uh, listeners who are in the Butler, uh, PA, Lindor, PA area, this coming Saturday, uh, April 6th, is the Butler Paranormal Conference, the 12th annual Butler Paranormal Conference. And uh, uh, John Tenney will be one of the guest speakers. And uh, Mom and I will be uh, selling our uh, handmade rosaries. Uh, so be sure to check us out, Roxbury Creations uh, table at the event this coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, you can meet the great Tim Roxbury, you know, in person <laughs> and get an awesome rosary. Wow. Gee, I, I wish I could be there, you know. It's a beautiful thing. Meanwhile, though, I'll be uh, prepping for my, oh, hey, shameless self-promotion. <laughs> Uh, my show here, uh, Monday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on WCET.FM uh, called Kindness Beyond the Veil. We take a look at the paranormal, supernatural, extraterrestrial, metaphysical realms, uh, but with a, 
look at uh, when uh, kind things happen, benevolent things happen. Our honored guest is Diane Dennis. He runs a company uh, which we're very excited about, um, and it is uh, it's this beautiful media conglomerate. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it away. <laughs> Uh, but she's a an empath and a medical intuitive, and and it, it is now kind of her place to help others spread a message of of, of healing, uh, self improvement and betterment. You know, uh, get, getting rid of those stubborn repeating patterns that we're all trying to get rid of. You know, so we're going to uh, talk about some very inspirational things Monday, seven to nine p.m. Diane Dennis on. Kindness Beyond the Veil with Chip Reichenthal. And Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here, uh, the great Tim Roxbury along with me and the Supernatural Realm. And uh, what do we got coming up next, Tim? Do you know? Uh, Tuesday we have, let me open my calendar up, uh, <laughs> Races Mansky. Uh, he's coming on Tuesday, uh, April uh, 9th. And uh, Dr. Irina Scott is going to be our returning guest on Thursday awesome. edition on the 11th. Wow, another magical week. And uh, don't touch that dial because the great Michael Vera is up next with his uh, Late Night in the Midlands right here on, on the great WCET.FM. We cover everything, and that's where the action is. Right, Timmy? That's for sure. And Mike Sears has been phenomenal. And don't forget VSParanormal.com. Or uh, Volunteer State Paranormal Research on Facebook. Uh, or uh, uh, Beth Lunsford's site, Music City Ghosts, on Facebook as well. To find out more about Volunteer State Paranormal Research. You know? Boy, yeah. what an awesome guest, Tim. That, you know? Man, that was the fastest two hours in radio, I tell you. <laughs> <I know, right? laughs> Has it been that long already? Man, know, right? It just felt like 20 minutes went by, you know? Very cool uh, guest this evening. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Oh, it's Mike. been an honor, man. Yeah. You know what? That means that I've only aged 20 minutes in the last two hours. So we got to have you on more more often so I can look younger, you know, as <laughs> as, as the years go by. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on again, Mike, at some point. So. Yeah, we'd love to. No, thank you. Well, thank you. And as Chip said, uh, the great Michael Vera up next for Late Night in the Midlands. Good night, everybody. God bless. Have a great week. And if you're in the Butler area, be sure to check out Butler Paranormal Conference at Tanglewood Center, Coleman Hall in Lindora, Pennsylvania. Good night, everybody. Yep, we love you. Take care.
You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. 